What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee and not just their delicious CBD-infused coffee, but their amazing giveaway that they're doing this week only in their online store. They're giving away five $1,000 gift certificates. That's right. They're giving away five $1,000 gift certificates to Strava Craft Coffee, and all you have to do is order their delicious coffee. And on top of that, you can still use our magical code DNVR20 to receive 20% off your entire purchase, and you get in on the $1,000 gift card at StravaCraftCoffee.com. So make sure to check them out. Strava Craft Coffee gives you that boost you need during quarantine, and it also gives you all the benefits of CBD. So make sure to check them out now, this week only, to get in for their five $1,000 gift card sweepstakes. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the curds from mile high, the best part of the weekend. Hugging a perfect stranger as they become a friend. Welcome to the DNVR Broncos podcast on this last day of April. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. Guys, before we hop into the show, which is going to be a fun one, I can guarantee it, I got to tell you about MSU Denver Online. If you still, if you want to finish your education, if you want to get an education, if you want to take a couple classes, scope some things out, guys, MSU Denver Online is the place to go. So head to msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer. They have 40, over 40 online and hybrid programs and 750 classes. So I guarantee if there's something you're interested in, make sure to check out MSU Denver online. And the awesome thing about this, guys, is so many of you are in our backyard here in Colorado and already know about MSU Denver. But so many of you are out of the state, out of the country. This is something that you can all take advantage of. So check, out, check them out at msudenver.edu slash online. Mace, how are you doing on this fine Thursday to end the month? I'm doing great. I'm sunnier now that I've gotten such a sunny opening to this podcast from you. You're in very good spirits. I like seeing that. Uh, Thursdays are my favorite day of the week. And gosh, I got to tell you, spring is here summer is here i think we just kind of skip spring today i think the high is supposed to be 87 degrees in denver and some people may say well we're stuck inside but yeah i guess it is as long as it's nice outside i guess that makes it a little easier yeah but what is interesting i was thinking about this yesterday because after i got done on the radio i took charlotte my daughter and um and our dog to the park and one thing i noticed First of all, Wash Park was teeming with people. Oh, yeah. The six-foot social distance, not everyone was adhering to it. Certainly not, no. And I have to point that out, of course. But I think human nature is kind of kicking in a little bit. And as the weather is getting nice and it's starting to feel like late spring and summer, it's already been hard for people to stay in and uh, 
go into a quarantine slash shelter at home, whatever you want to call it, it's going to be even harder now, I think, as yeah. you see this, the, the lustrous sunny days of summer. It's, it's going to be hard to, uh, to, to stay in. And, I mean, obviously, it's good to get out and uh, get to the park and all that, but it's, it, it's really going to start having an impact on people. I mean, Zach, right now, we're ordinarily getting to the time of year where we'd be going out for dinner and eating al fresco. Mm. wouldn't that be lovely and oh it's just that, tough right now i mean you're killing me that sounds it, so good these are the obviously kind of the least of concerns in general in the big picture but still uh these are things that uh affect the way we go about our, our day-to-day lives and uh what we find pleasure in as, as people so it's it, it's 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 tough it's a it's a continued pattern of adjustment but uh yeah, it's easier to stay inside when it's snowing than when it's just perfect out there. And last <laughs> night, Zach, it was perfect. <laughs> I can yeah. see why everyone wanted to be in the park. It was glorious. I wanted to be out too. Oh, and we got many more of those days on our way, so it's yeah. going to be tough to stay inside. And speaking of tough, Mace, do the Broncos have a tough decision coming up with one Garrett Bulls? Like I mentioned, the last day of April – and that May 3rd deadline to uh, to decide whether or not to pick up the 2017 draft class's fifth-year option is quickly approaching. I mean, you told me right before we started the show, uh, yeah, we should probably talk about this because it's coming up. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that is coming up. So, Mace, my question to you is, is this a tough decision for the Broncos? It's a tough decision because you're evaluating so many other factors. You're trying to figure out whether Garrett Bowles' play in the last five games, is it something that you can get by with? How much of it was because of his own improvement? How much was it because of Drew Locke? You've seen him have stretches before where he improved his play and avoided penalties in particular, and then fallen right back into the same trap. So are you fearing that may happen again? You're also looking at the cost of replacing Garrett Bowles. We've talked, of course, about, veteran free agent options if you wanted to bring in somebody else for this year but what if you bypass those you don't pick up Garrett Bowles's fifth year option and you say okay we're going to go into the free agent market because maybe next year's draft uh, doesn't look as robust as we're expecting well you go onto the market you're going to get into some very pricey territory territory that would make Jawan James's contract look affordable by comparison. So these factors are all into play. We talked about the supplemental draft. If that has a more robust class than usual, that could factor in as well. Basically, you're trying to make a, a decision, a binary, one or the other, in a decidedly hazy environment. The other thing to consider, Zach, is that the fifth-year option, it's guaranteed only for injury. So if he stayed healthy and he didn't have a season – like you expected, you're not on the hook. You can rescind that fifth-year option. He has been healthy. He has not missed a game in his NFL career so far. But do you take that chance and say, okay, well, if he doesn't play well and he doesn't get hurt, then we're off the hook. And then all of a sudden, boom, he has an injury, the first major injury of his pro career. And at that point, you're hosed. So all these things come into play when trying to decide this. 
So Mace, you're telling me that a guy that is that leads the league in holding year after year, or is at least up there, a guy that is booed by his own fan base more than anyone I can remember, and a guy where John Elway less than a week ago said the play at left tackle needs to improve, has to improve. You're telling me they have a tough decision on him, whether or not to pay him a lot of money? It's it can be a tough decision for me. I'd move on in part because looking at this year's draft class, looking at next year's draft class, you are going to, or this year's supplemental class, if it does bear out that way, next year's draft class, you are looking at, at having some options. I'm still intrigued by the bridge free agent options that can be relatively affordable right now. The, you know, Kelvin Beecham's and Jason Peters is on the market. It's, it's just so fascinating that, on the one hand, the Broncos do not give the impression that they are in any way satisfied with Garrett Bowles by saying, okay, he's going to be in a competition with Elijah Wilkinson. But on the other hand, do we really believe Elijah Wilkinson is a legitimate competition? Shouldn't Seriously. Be. Shouldn't, shouldn't be. be. But at the same time, you're, you're viewing Elway's statement and saying, wow. A former first-round pick who has started his entire career is now in an open competition. The optics of that, Zach, they're really hard to ignore here because you wouldn't be saying that if you were satisfied with how your player is doing. You wouldn't be saying uh, of a first-round pick who was a three-year starter doing well. Oh well, you know we're gonna, you know we're gonna bring in competition and see. I mean, I guess you could counter that by saying, well, Tampa Bay is bringing Rob Gronkowski and they have. OJ Howard and Cameron Bright, but effectively Tampa Bay has two tight end spots, not one. So it's a different dynamic there. And the Bucks are going to pick up the fifth year option on OJ Howard. So yeah, man, I'm not sure I'd want to be John Elway here because this is a case where each decision is fraught with some risk. And one of the risks of not picking up the fifth year option on Garrett Bowles is what if the Five weeks with Drew Locke, what if that wasn't a mirage? What if that is what Garrett Bowles can really be going forward with Drew Locke as the quarterback? Yep, then I, you'd look at that and say $11 million on a fifth-year option for 2021? We're happy with that. That's a good deal. Yep, Mace, you're exactly right, and I was just kidding with you. It is a tough yeah. decision. It, it is a tough decision <laughs> that John Elway has, but I was just kind of showing how – you know, people probably think, oh, of course they shouldn't pick up the option, but you've laid out a lot of the reasons why it is a tough decision. And on top of that, like you said, the fifth year option for Garrett Bowles would cost the Broncos $11 million in 2021. And, and how the fifth year option works, a lot of people may be saying, wait, 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 he's going into his fourth year now. You have to pick up his fifth year option? Yeah, for some reason, that's how it works. The year before your fourth year, is when you have to decide whether or not to pick up that first rounder's fifth year option. So the fifth year option for Bulls in 2021 would be $11 million. And Mace, like you said, it's guaranteed only to injury. Garrett Bowles, we know his best ability is availability. John Elway just flat out says it when he talks about Garrett Bowles. So that's a positive uh, in order to pick up the fifth year option. You think, okay, well, he's probably not going to get hurt. In fact, the one time he was hurt, he was carted off the field. And he was at practice two days later. It was, a, it was really a miracle uh, for, for Garrett Bowles. Uh, so that makes it a little easier to maybe be pick up that, that option. 
But when you look at the numbers, Mace, he's made $11 million in his first four years as a Bronco. He's about to double that with the fifth-year option. So when you look at it like that, it's like, whoa, we're paying him a lot. But on the flip side, just showing you how many back and forth there is with this decision, Mace, next year, if the Broncos were to pay him $11 million, he'd be the 21st highest paid left tackle. So he doesn't even have to be average to live up to that $11 million. He has to be bottom third. And, you know, that's probably where he is. He's probably about the 20th best tackle in, in the league right now. So when you look at that, you're saying, oh, okay, well, $11 million seems like a lot. But in, you know, t- taking it uh, in totality, that's not that much. Yeah, and that's kind of the fascinating thing here is you. I like how you laid out the numbers in terms of the, the financial outlay here. Unless you are going with the one-year bridge veteran that you're signing relatively late in the free agent period, you're not. You're going to be paying eight figures annually for a tackle. That's just the going rate, and also unless you have a player on his first contract. The other thing to consider is I think we can all acknowledge that even though Garrett Bowles played better down the stretch, he's below average among starters. You said bottom third. That's, I think, a fair place to put him uh, right now. Do you want to roll the dice with another young guy, or do you want to just see what he's got for 2021? And this isn't making a long-term commitment here. This is just simply saying – through 2021, he's your tackle in all likelihood unless he is healthy and you don't have to give in to the guarantee for injury. And then you could say, okay, well, he's healthy, but he didn't play well in 2020. We can, we can move on. So this is, it, it, it's, a tough, it's a tough choice for the Broncos. I, I, don't, I actually don't envy them here with, with this situation. What would you do? I, oh, man. As crazy as it is, just detailing everything we did, it's not a bad decision to pick it up. The optics are terrible. The optics are terrible picking up his fifth-year option. But you're just planning on him not suffering a very serious injury, especially towards the end of the year. You know, if, if he gets hurt in week three and it's a sprained ankle and he's back by week eight and plays the rest of the season – you're fine. Uh, all, all that means guaranteed to injury is about this time. Well, I guess earlier next off season, right around March, is he healthy or not? If he has a broken ankle in December, I'll touch wood for that. But if he has a broken ankle in December, uh, that ankle is probably not going to be fine by March. And then that $11 million is fully guaranteed. So the, just the way Garrett Bowles has been available that's the only risk you're taking with this because let's say he comes out and plays average. He's an average left tackle, and that, that would be his best season by far. If he's average, then that $11 million is a good deal. Let's say next year you draft a guy in the second round and the third round to be your developmental guy. Well, great. They've got a year to play behind an, or to, to sit and learn from Mike Munchak behind an average left tackle. Average. You know what? It's interesting because if you look at Garrett Bowles, the totality of last year in terms of pressures allowed, and this includes the time with Joe Flacco, the time with Brandon Allen, and of course the five games with Drew Locke, according to pro football focus, 
Garrett Bowles allowed one pressure every 19.6 snaps. And among the 97 offensive linemen who have at least 150 snaps last year, that places Garrett Bowles 36th. Wow. That's, that's actually above average. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now, if you go to penalty rate. Oh, yikes, yikes. Okay, that's <laughs> where it gets bad. In terms, of, in terms of total penalties that he had last year, we're not even going to uh, – uh, a different differentiate here than Garrett Bowles's penalty rate in in 27 in uh, in 2019. Pardon me. Uh, that was let's see here. We've got the total snaps for Garrett Bowles is uh, 1,012, and he's got the 17 total penalties according to. Pete. Oh yikes! 17. <laughs> yeah, cool. That gives him. As I, there's nothing more compelling here than when I do the math as we're doing <laughs> podcast live podcasting. Oh, I know. Isn't isn't this grand? <laughs> Are you crunching the numbers for everyone right now, Mace? I actually am. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, we may be here for a while. So no, no, no. What what happens? What happens basically is um, you. Do it for one. You, you do it for one line, and then you cut and paste it for everybody else in football. So you pay at the at the position. So his penalty rate, Zach, is one every fifty nine point five snaps. Last well, I would have guessed more. <laughs> you would have guessed more. It's not good, but it's not the worst. There are four guys that are worse than him. Okay, but he's in the top five, huh? Yeah, Tyrell Crosby, Russell Okun, Laramie Tunsil, Josh Wells, all guys with at least 150 snaps that had that had a worse penalty rates than Garrett Bowles. Wow. Wow. Yeah, okay, here's where I am, Mace, because I just – I sat back and said, how in the world am I saying I'm picking up Garrett Bowles' fifth-year option? I'm probably not. Personally, I, I'm probably not doing it, but for all the reasons we laid out, I'm not going to blame the Broncos. I'm not going to say it's a dumb move if they do pick it up because it the, it makes sense if they do it because they're just banking on him not getting hurt. And like we know, that's his best availability or that's his best ability is not getting hurt. But I don't want to send that message to the locker room of look, you don't have to put the work in that everyone else is doing. You can you know, mess around on game, not mess around on game day, but, but you can be below average on game day and we're going to reward you. I think the Broncos and John Elway since that 2017 draft class have done a great job uh, in, in changing the culture in that locker room. And this, it wouldn't hurt the culture in the locker room, but it just wouldn't continue to go down that path that they've gone down. So for me, I'm personally not picking it up um, because I think it sends a good message. But if the Broncos do, uh, it's not the worst thing in the world. You're taking the Matt McChesney argument then. Yep. Because we've heard from Matt, and he's been on the Unchained podcast, but we had him on during our draft show, and he reiterated the point about frustration among other offensive linemen that Garrett Bowles gets away with things. And this isn't in terms of, you know, of like discipline type stuff, but gets away with things in gameplay that would get other guys benched. 
Yep. And yep. that is a point of frustration. Yeah. And, and the, those things kind of Mace, that you're saying is the Broncos have to do things that you shouldn't have to do for a franchise left tackle uh, on the game field. Like in terms of the, the way they adjust their line, the way they call plays, um, they do that for Garrett Bowles. And that's not something that you should do for any left tackle, let alone your first round over or first round to left tackle. What does the 2021 free agent class of tackle look like? That's a great question. I think that's something to kind of, uh, to, to kind of evaluate here because you have to see who's potentially out there, what you may have to spend. Although I still think that drafting is probably the better way to go here. I think so too. And the way that John's done this in the past couple of years, I wouldn't be surprised if okay. it is. Maybe it is the, the supplemental draft, Mace. Okay, well – some interesting names according to spot track that are on the 2021 free agent class. Now, if you're talking about guys who are going toward the end of their career, Trent Williams is going to be a free agent next year. Potentially, of course, the Niners just traded for him. He's got one year left on his deal. Uh, Russell Okun, Carolina just got him in a trade from the chargers. He'd be a free agent, but he'll be 33 Alejandro Villanueva, who Mike Munchak coached in Pittsburgh, he's going to be uh, – he's scheduled to be on the market. Ronnie Stanley of Baltimore be on the market, but I don't see any way that the, the Baltimore Ravens let Ronnie Stanley go the way no he's way. been playing uh, over the course of his career. Um, Taylor Decker, Detroit, uh, could be available. You, you don't – in other words, unless you're talking about Ronnie Stanley in the unlikely event that he's available or Villanueva, you're not – talking about game changers here now Trent Williams he could be available but he's put a pretty high price point on himself oh he and certainly you has and you would imagine the 49ers after trading for him want to keep him if he plays well for them yeah I would certainly think so Mace how old is Villanueva uh Villanueva uh, according to uh, this listing is going to be 32 at the time he hits free agency, 31 right now. And of course, because he had a relatively late start to his career, he hasn't made huge money just yet. His, his The current average value of his contract is $6 million. Wow. Wow. This, Maybe this it, year, this mm. year, his cap number is $8.39 million, which is good. But as he hits age 32... After this four-year, $24 million deal, he may be thinking in terms of, okay, a big two- to three-year strike here. Because even though he's going to be 32, Garrett Bowles – and this comes into play with Garrett Bowles as well. Garrett Bowles is, was overage when the Broncos drafted him. Yep. Villanueva was overage as he broke into the league and got going in part because he had his service commitment in the wake of going to West Point but also because it took him a while to really find his footing as a pro. So both of these guys have kind of similar age concerns. The difference, of course, is that Villanueva has played at an all-pro level, and Garrett Bowles has not done that. But do you want to roll the dice that you could get him? Because if you're Pittsburgh, why would you let go of Villanueva? You wouldn't. You wouldn't, unless Villanueva loves Mike Munchak that much, where he's willing to walk away from the Steelers uh, and get paid by the Broncos. Now, I don't think... When Mike Munchak came here last year, he was thinking, okay, I just need to make it through two years and then I'll be able to get Villanueva. I don't think there was ever that long term of a plan for Munchak, but let's say 
Um, you know, there's no one in the supplemental draft that's enticing. The Broncos clearly didn't draft anyone. Hunter Watts, the undrafted free agent, doesn't develop into being a starting left tackle. Shocker there. Um, Still the and, greatest Photoshop <laughs> job that I've seen. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> greatest in, in an Central amazing Arkansas. way. <laughs> and the other thing in the draft, we've talked about the supplemental draft, and we, we, there were three names that, that came up. Uh, of course, you had Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama. A lot of people thought that he was going to be in this year's draft class, but he elected to come back for the 2020 season at Auburn. Now, he is going to be available or, or eligible for the supplemental draft if he comes out. Penay Sewell out of Oregon, he's not going to be available for the supplemental draft this summer because he's only two years removed from his high school graduation. So Alex Leatherwood, he would be available. Walker Little from Stanford, he would be available if, if either of them decide to declare for the supplemental draft. But unless they change the rules on supplemental draft, you wouldn't see Panay Sewell. And Sewell's kind of the consensus top tackle in next year's class among what appears to be a, another fairly strong group. Yeah. So, I mean, th there's options. And Mace, what, what I like is that Villanueva may just be a nice chip to have in your back pocket. Now he's going to cost you a lot of money. So Mace, I'm on the record of saying I wouldn't pick up the fifth year option. What would you do? I would not pick up the free, the, the fifth year option. It just be just because I feel like even if you have to spend a little more, I think there are going to be some chances to improve the position in free agency if you go that route or the NFL draft. And the other the other thing that comes into play, if he does play that well, I mean, you could give him the franchise tag, conceivably. Yep. Yep. That that that's that's doable as well. I am still inclined to use some of this remaining cap space to upgrade left tackle this year, whether it is a Jason Peters or Kelvin Beecham. Of course, Beecham did play for Mike Munchak a few years back early in his time as Pittsburgh's offensive line coach. So these are guys that can, that can get you by if you really don't think Garrett Bowles can handle it. But I am concerned that this bout of strong play that he had last year in a situation where where Rich Gangarello was protecting Drew Locke and Drew Locke was using his mobility as well to help out Garrett Bowles, that Bowles may be a little bit more on an island going forward. There may be more demands of him. And even though you're going to have receivers that should be able to break open quickly and give some first read stuff, I worry that uh, you might see a bit of a backslide in Garrett Bowles in terms of getting, in terms of the penalties, the penalty proclivity that he had before. Uh, Drew Lock came in. So for me, it's a pass. I'm not picking up the fifth year option. Yep. We're both on the same wavelength with that. Man, I just I just can't believe how how this simple question of picking up Garibaldi's option is actually kind of a tough decision. It's it's wild. It's wild, but it's not surprising because you can look and you don't have to get out the binoculars. You can look and see some positive trends there for Garrett Bowles. It just depends what you believe on them, whether you believe that what he did in the last five games is what he's going to do going forward because Drew Locke is going to be the quarterback or 
do you also look at it and say, well, he had eight games without a holding penalty with Case Keenum at quarterback, and then he backslid. He even had a four-game stretch in 2017 as a rookie with only one penalty, and and the Broncos cycled through three different quarterbacks then, and he backslid after that. And the overall, over the big picture between the three years as a pro and his 2016 season at Utah, I just see a penalty penchant that hasn't really changed, and I feel like he's going to revert back to that again at some point. So I'm just trusting the bigger sample size on this and saying it's a pass for me. I I agree with you. And Mace, what isn't a tough decision is what you should be grabbing for a delicious beverage. And, of course, it's the delicious, the wonderful Breckenridge Brewery. And when this weather's coming out, man, the Colorado core, the strawberry sky are my go-tos, not just with Breck, but with any beer. And, guys, you got to make sure this is the time to really jump on the Breck train if you haven't already. They're selling 15 packs of strawberry sky. It's perfect for May weather. And also, if you're local, make sure to check out their farmhouse because as good as their beer is, their food from the farmhouse is just as good. And if you order food from the farmhouse, use the code DNVR to save $5 off your meal. Guys, they'll deliver food or beer to you if you're in the Denver area, or you can drive by and they'll do curbside uh, delivery to your car anytime from 12 to 8. Give them a call at 303-803-1380. And guys, supporting Breckenridge Brewery is supporting us. So please do that and use that code DNVR to get $5 off their delicious food. And Mace, what pairs great with Breckenridge beer is golf. And I got the perfect golf game for you guys. It's my favorite app of the past decade. It's WGT Golf. It's the world's most popular golf game. And it's also the official gaming partner of DNVR. And guys, now is the time to download this game. Go to dnvrgolf.com. That's dnvrgolf.com. And through there, you can download the app. Uh, And that that lets WGT know that you're supporting us and want to play with us. And when you do and why you should download it now is because this weekend we're having our first tournament of WGT golf with the DNVR fam. It's another way to hang out with us. And like I said, my favorite golf game, not just my favorite golf game, my favorite game out there. You get to play St. Andrews, Wolf Creek, Bandon Dunes. You can play with, with any golf balls you want. Guys, I love the game and I'd love to play with you. So go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT golf and play with us and what pairs well with all of that mace is talking to the people so let's get to the questions yes let's start this one from our good friend count locula in this scenario you get to spend the rest of quarantine imbibing in the vices slash indulgences of your choice without suffering any pesky consequences you can hoist as many pints as you want without the promise of a world-ending hangover You can jam your arteries full of any fats and cholesterols with even as much as a single palpitation. You can watch what you want to watch without a sneer or sigh from your significant other. You get to be as much of a Wally Dragle as your heart desires. How would you partake? (laughs) Wow, Mace, what are you doing? Well, if I can watch as much as I want to watch, I'm watching live sports. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah. I'm I'm missing it. I'm I'm missing baseball big time right now. Big yeah. time. 
Yeah. It's what I'm finding is that I watch less TV now than ever. Oh, because yeah. for me, there's no substitute for live sports. Yep. Man, just, you know, I'm not that interested in, in love is blind or tiger King or <laughs> whatever is out there. It just doesn't hold any allure for me. You know, I, I think that's, I think that's the perfect answer is I would be watching unlimited live sports and mm-hmm. you know, my, my girlfriend isn't the biggest sports fan. So sometimes it's tough to watch unlimited sports and, that's what I would be doing, especially in this time. Man, great answer, Mace. I have to jump on on that answer. Been great question from the count. But what else? What would you drink and eat? I mean, I'd probably I'd drink a lot of ciders. Yeah. Um. I'd a lot of strawberry sky. Yeah, I'd probably have. I I I like a good a good cheeseburger i'd probably have a lot of cheeseburgers Ooh, ooh, i could do it man some some fried chicken some fried food definitely Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh i love that love thinking about that too bad that's not reality breck drew says it's so awesome y'all answer every question every day when was last time y'all saw a team give an unproven quarterback so many weapons and unproven in quotations there closest i can remember is last year with the Browns adding OBJ to a good crew. But Baker had some steam even before that. Well, Patrick Mahomes, when he was still unproven, walked out there and had Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and Kareem Hunt, mm-hmm. all of whom had proven themselves capably. Wow. I mean, he became, before Mahomes became the starting quarterback. Yeah, Travis Kelsey, arguably the game's best tight end. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kareem Hunt, arguably the league's best running back from what he was just coming off of. Uh, Mm -hmm. And Tyreek Hill, arguably the most dangerous receiver in the league. How about those weapons? (laughs) So it comes back to Patrick Mahomes being given a superlative set of tools with which to work. Yep. And John Elway's... Yeah, yeah, not that he isn't a great quarterback. Let's make that clear. But he does have good tools. And John Elway's pointed to the Chiefs time and time again over these past 18 months. And this is something that he clearly said, well, look what Patrick Mahomes walked into. He wasn't playing with Deshaun Hamilton and Tim Patrick. No offense to, to either of those guys. Um, but he's playing with elite weapons. Let's get Drew those weapons as well. Yep. Puget Sound Bronco, gents, non-football related question for you. Any chance of getting some 2X shirts in stock? All the Broncos related shirts say out of stock for 2X. Love what y'all are doing. Keep up the good work, guys. You know, my suggestion would be to just email uh, help at thednvr.com. Ask that question because they deal more uh, with stuff like that. And it also lets them know that the demand is there to order them. So uh, help at thednvr.com to hook you up there. Well put. Can't Mark say it any I, Mark IT Snatch. Hey, guys. There is quite a history of my friend from another league. The two most notable of recent memory, of course, are Peyton Manning and Todd Helton and Clayton Kershaw and Matt Stafford. In a similar manner, do you guys have a good friend, not of the DMVR crew, that covers another sport that you feel comfortable giving a shout out to? As for the Broncos, after the draft and free agency, who is on the bubble to make or miss the roster that you haven't touched on, such as Connor McGovern? All right, I'll I'll, I'll let you take over the shout outs because you got way more than I do. All right, well, I'll I'll just... I'll give one uh, big time shout out. My friend, uh, Charlie Felix, who works for AT&T Sportsnet and is almost entirely doing the Rockies and is, and is currently waiting on the season to restart. So uh, Charlie, there's the sh- shout out to you, man. Hope you're, 
hope you're doing well. And uh, we're all hoping we get back to baseball sometime soon. Oh gosh. I want, I want to be listening to the guys on the radio. I want to be listening. I want to hear. Oh, Mike that's Rice. another one. Mike Rice. I yeah, got a that... I, Mike Rice now uh, taking over as a uh, voice of the Rockies. And of course that's been delayed a bit. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention him as well. Yeah. And, and that, that, that's my guy. Mike Rice is about as, as good and nice of a person as you will find. Yes, exactly. All right. So who's on the bubble? That's a good question to bubble to make or, or miss the roster. Of course, Connor McGovern having moved on to the uh, New York jets. Well, I mean, we've touched on DeMarcus Walker being on the bubble. Yeah. Any cornerback not named Michael Ojemudia, Bryce Callahan, or AJ Boye is on the bubble. It's a big bubble, but there's going to be a fight for spots there. Hmm. Mace, yesterday I was looking. We tried on Troy Fumagalli as a bubble guy, too. Oh, yeah. Jeff, Jeff Hireman. Hireman's a bubble guy. Yep. Yep. Pretty much any tight end that's not named Nick Vanette, Albert O, uh, or Noah Fan. And there's some big names in there Jeff Hireman, Troy Fumagalli, Jake Butt. Uh, all of those guys are, are certainly on the bubble, with a couple of those guys being off the bubble. I was looking at the offensive tackle depth yesterday. And, oh, my gosh, I've never felt better about uh, knocking the Broncos for their draft than not picking up someone. I mean, no offense to Jake Rogers. He he did get a game ball. That, besides Elijah Wilkinson, is your best step, Pete. Um, So no one uh, on the offensive line, for me at least, you know, unless you want to be talking Austin Slopeman as a guy that's on the bubble. Yeah, he's on the bubble. Patrick Um, Morris. Yep, Patrick Morris. Uh, and in turn, wide receivers, uh, pretty much anyone uh, that wasn't drafted by the Broncos this year or named Cortland Sutton could potentially be on the bubble. I think Deshaun Hamilton is pretty far away from the bubble, but he could be on the bubble as well as Tim Patrick, Juwan Winfrey. Um, Deontay Spencer seems pretty safe. Yeah, I think uh, Deshaun Hamilton will make it in the end. But the interesting thing, you start looking at Tyree Cleveland, Tim Patrick, and Juwan Winfrey. and the Venn diagram of crossover on their skill sets covers a lot of territory there. Yeah. And so that's why it's interesting. By the way, before we move on, I have to vent about something that just popped on my phone. Oh, let's go. I can't wait to hear it. All right. It's a story from NFL.com in the wake of Andy Dalton being released by the Cincinnati Bengals. And the headline reads, Dalton landing spots, Broncos among top five fits. Oh, what? Oh, 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 no. Will the national media please stop this crap? Oh, gosh. They need to understand what John Owe just did. This, this wasn't the offseason to land right. Andy Dalton. This was the offseason of Drew Locke. NFL.com is especially guilty of this, saying, oh, Broncos should go after Cam Newton. Oh, they should take a look at Jameis Winston. Now listing the Broncos as number three behind the Patriots and Jaguars to go get Andy Dalton. These people aren't paying attention. No, they they aren't. Not one iota of attention coming from from this. I'm I'm fed up with it. it, NFL.com, this is the work of a bunch of hacks the way they're going about (laughs) what's even more unfortunate is it does make sense for Andy Dalton to go to new England. It does make sense for Andy Dalton to go to Jacksonville. And so for the Broncos to be right there, they're saying it makes a lot of sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. Zero zilch. None. Wait, Mace, you're muted. 
Sorry, had to get there. We go. There we go. He's back. <laughs> well, the problem is I have two mute things. Usually, I use the mute button on the screen here, but this uh, this headset I have has um, mute functionality. And when I get riled up like I did there, I end up brushing the the mute control against my desk, and all of a sudden I mute myself. So I, I thought I thought I thought you could have been uh, just censoring yourself for how mad you were at NFL.com. I I, I did a good job of self censoring, I think, but I, I wanted to say some stronger words. But Mike, I, just stop it. And by the Please. way, a- Andy Dalton would make a heck of a lot of sense for New England. Yep, a heck of a lot of sense. It wouldn't surprise me at all. And look, New England didn't have to trade anything for him. Right, exactly. And that's uh, Belichick playing the game again, if it uh, works <laughs> yeah. out that way. The Scani, would you be more inclined to make the trade-up for Patrick Queen using 2021 capital instead? Also, could the Broncos have potentially flipped Todd Davis to recoup some of the capital required to get Queen? Um, Todd Davis kind of would have been a throw in there. You know, if you're not interested in keeping him, then the other team isn't going to be thrilled to get him. So sure. But I mean, he would have counted as maybe a sixth round pick. Um, gosh, Mace, you, you make such a great argument for why 2021 draft capital maybe won't be as valuable, but in order to make this move, I think you would have had to given up a first round pick and I wouldn't have done that. And the one thing that's interesting is if the supplemental draft is robust, that the first round pick is something that might actually be valuable. It's just a question of the the bird in the hand versus two in the bush, because you don't know what the 2021 draft is going to look like. And, and I agree with you. Todd Davis would have been just a throw in in this sort, sort of deal. But right. that being said, if Vic Fangio really liked Patrick Queen enough to try to get him, fix the linebacker whisperer. <laughs> that's true. It's really true. I mean, if they would have done that and Vic gave his sign of approval, which it would have meant he did, then yeah, I would have been for it. Mm-hmm. Next one coming in from what if big bird and question continues had 1200 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns as a rookie. So what if um, uh, Jerry Judy had 1200 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns as a rookie? Well, that would be insane. Also, what do you expect? The I would actually, re- I might kind of throw one in thing on, in on that. Sorry. If he has those sorts of numbers, I would also assume that Cortland Sutton missed a couple of games because of injury. Mm, yeah, so it may actually not be as good, but it'd be a huge rookie year from Jerry right. Judy. He goes on and says, what do you expect the Broncos' red zone offense to look like this year? Do they replace Hamler with Albert O in red zone to run two tight end sets to have extra blockers and big targets? Thinking Albert O pick may have been to balance smaller receivers drafted this year. The idea of two Pro Bowl running backs, Sutton, quick twitch, Judy, two big tight ends, and a mobile quarterback is getting me pumped about our red zone issues to be a thing of the past. Although watching some film of Hamler at Penn State when he's working inside the 25-yard line, he runs some routes that get separation close to the goal line. That excites me too. I think there are a lot of different packages and permutations that you can use involving these targets. Yeah, you you do. I keep Hamler in because I think he's a guy that is so slippery that can create separation in very tight spaces. Yeah, it's it's exciting what the Broncos have in terms of targets and what they can do. Dan Burke, something got me thinking. I know none of you guys are particularly high on Jordan Love. Does it give y'all any pause that the same front office and coaching staff that Love drew last year and were planning on taking him? if the Broncos hadn't traded up? No, no, it doesn't. Two different players, two totally different players. Yeah. 
I think uh, I, I think Lockett has a lot more refinement than Jordan Love does. I think part of it is they can love the tools and they can say, okay, we can make something of this guy. Right. I, and, and, but, and, but Drew was on a higher level, I thought. Yeah, and you look at both of those guys. Um, they both do have physical tools, but I think the mental side of the game is very different. And then Dan points out, for what it's worth, I like Jordan Love a lot, and I probably would have been pushing for the Broncos to take him this year if they wouldn't have already had Drew. Interesting that Josh Heupel recruited Jordan Love to Utah State, and Drew had his best year with Heupel as his OC at Mizzou. The Packers definitely have a type, especially when you consider that they trade for Deshaun Kaiser as well. Dan, why do you got to do this to me? You're making it, you're making it tough to say no, but I'm going to stick by it and say that Drew and Jordan Love are very different players. Now, that being said, Matt LaFleur was not on the staff when they traded for Deshaun Kaiser. Right. That was uh, Mike McCarthy was still there, although Brian Gutekunst was in the front office. So that's, that, Gutekunst's tastes also play into this as well. Drew Lockerboy says, hey, boys, do you see Joe Flacco finding a starting job in the league? If not, is it more likely he retires or signs as a backup? Thanks, Drew Locker. No, I don't see him finding a starting job in the league. And, yes, I think it's more likely that he retires than signs back as a backup at this point. He's made so much money. If I'm Joe, maybe he doesn't want to go out on being slammed by a linebacker from behind at the end of a game. But, gosh, if I'm Joe, I'm saying it's been a heck of a career honey and let's take our five kids and just move back to the east coast and be done they're probably already back on the east coast you know (laughs) oh yeah they probably are (laughs) i i I don't think joe flacco is going to be back in denver very much Mm, no i don't think he's going to take the peyton manning approach with that (laughs) no oh well the bearded blunder hey fellas great pod personally i wanted queen bad he reminded me the most of roquan smith out of all the linebackers in the draft He and A.J. Johnson would have been monsters in the middle. Still, I'm very happy with the draft we had. I was watching film of the UFA running back Bellamy the past few days. He looks really good. Some of the cuts he made were really impressive. My prediction is he takes Freeman's spot. What are your thoughts on him? As always, great job and keep up the great work. Double B. I think he brings a little more electricity than Royce Freeman does. And that's kind of exciting. And when you're talking about the third running back, the guy who's going to play a handful of snaps, that matters. The other thing for Levante Bellamy, what's going to determine whether he gets a jersey and whether he's on the team, he's got a ball out on special teams. Yep. And at 5'9", 192 pounds, you've got to figure out a role for him because you've got other options for returner. Of course, the aforementioned Deontay Spencer. So – can he be somebody who's involved in punt protection at, with his size and speed? Could he be somebody who's a gunner, a little smaller than uh, maybe some of the other options there? But he's going to have to carve out a niche on special teams to make it on the Broncos ahead of Royce Freeman. That's well, going to be key for him. And that's why I think he first needs to beat out Kalfani Muhammad for that fourth spot and then compete for Royce Freeman with that third spot. So I think he, he's starting all the way at the back. Yeah, good point there. I think uh, he is starting at the back, and uh, he's going to have to work his way up. I I think he can do some very good things. The other thing is also how does the preseason look with everything changing because guys like Bellamy need preseason games, need those reps. Yep, Those game reps to really flash and get on everyone's radar. The other Ryan chimes in. Greetings, RK, Zach, and Mace. This draft, the Broncos selected players from 
Alabama, Penn State, Iowa, LSU, Arkansas, Missouri, Wake Forest, Fresno State, Florida, and North Dakota State. The Broncos also signed undrafted free agents from Western Michigan, Texas Tech, Vanderbilt, two from Wake Forest, Central Arkansas, and Tarleton State. Over the draft weekend, the Broncos brought in six players from the SEC, including their first Crimson Tide selection since Triandus Luke in 2004. <laughs> Thank goodness that the Broncos finally opened their eyes to unnecessarily avoiding Alabama players in the draft. This is by far the most players from the SEC that the Broncos have drafted during John Elway's tenure as VP of Football Ops and or GM. Since 2011, the Broncos selected no more than two SEC players in drafts prior to 2020. It may be the most SEC players the Broncos ever selected in one single draft, but I will need to report back on that one unless Mace, Mace beats me to it first. Well, I haven't gone back through the 12 or more round years, but since the draft dropped to eight rounds and then later seven, this is the most SEC players the Broncos have ever selected. Wow. And, so and back it, in the 1990s, and then I'll, I'll probably go back uh, more later, but I did want to check out that far. Uh, that's incredible. And on top of that, they didn't add a single player from the Pac-12. I mean, that, that is the complete opposite of what John Elway's done. <sighs> did I not mention the lack of success of drafted Pac-12 players by the Broncos in recent years? Yep. They do great when they're undrafted. Yeah. DJ Anderson, for example, Philip Lindsay. But when they're drafted, they just don't launch in the way that you want them to. You could argue the best drafted Pac-12 player by the Broncos in the John Elway era is Raheem Moore. And I'm oh, sorry, wow. dear listener, if I just gave you the willies by mentioning that. Kind of <laughs> Mace, would you like to uh, say hello to John Elway since he appears to be listening to this pod? He listened to you. He listened to you. Good job, Man, John. I love it. Yeah, and not, good, nothing against well. nothing against the Pac-12, but boy, it has not worked out for you in the past. And the SEC, I mean, everyone knows the SEC year after year is just chock full of talent, especially Alabama. So I'm happy that John went to where the talent is. Well, what's the slogan they use in their commercials? It just means more. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the Broncos also went wacky for Wake. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much a record in Wake Forest, guys, that they bring in in a single year. Yes. But, uh, hey, credit to Dave Clawson, who has turned around that program. And it Wake is a very tough place to win if you can succeed there and you can find talent to get to Wake Forest. Tremendous job. I, I always say, don't give me the – if I'm looking for a college coach to move to the NFL, I always say, don't give me the coach who wins at Alabama. Anyone can win. Almost anyone can win at Alabama. Give me the coach that wins at Wake. Yeah, right. Right. At Northwestern. <laughs> yep. It's really true. Except give me Nick Saban, please. <laughs> All right. Given the picks and Elway and Vic Fangio's comments last week about the SEC when discussing draftees from that conference, do you think there may have been a paradigm shift in the Broncos front office's thinking as to which programs they feel best prepare and, and battle test prospects conversely this was the fourth draft in Elway's tenure they did not select a single player from the Pac-12 with no undrafted signings from that conference as well from 2013 to 15 Denver did not draft any Pac-12 prospects thanks to each of you for helping us be all that we can be 
in the DNVR me. <laughs> Beautifully presented. Was that close Mace. to the slow, the, what the, the jingle back in the eighties? I remember that, that, that tune used to come on all the time during sporting events. Be all that you can be in the army. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea what you're talking about, but I think you nailed it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was mixed in with uh, Miller Lite commercials with John Madden and Bob Euchre that were just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry to steal your thunder there, the other end. I didn't see that you commented about uh, no oh. Pac-12 players. So, uh, but yep, you, you hit it out of the park with that comment. Very good. Well, this is where sometimes you also kind of look at the uh, the scouting and say, okay, why are we if we're missing more from one region than another what's going on in our scouting and evaluation because of course of course scouting is regionally based yep yep exactly next one coming in from Iceman to a message for rk who's not here hey friends congrats to rk to you and your girlfriend for hanging out in the mountains so pleased for you to go america and go dnvr I right wish on, I could I be in the mountains right now. That fresh, crisp air. Uh, uh, it sounds sounds delicious. And like you said, fresh. True Champ Fan 24. A couple of things. One, would it be easier to just go with Champ Fan? Uh, I'll change my username, LOL. Two, Mace, hold on to your, your wild cherry take. Flathead cherries are the best hands down. Ask anyone of my fellow Montana native subscribers, Henry included. Three for Mr. B. Four, top fruits are as follows. Flathead cherries, huckleberries, bananas, watermelon, oranges. Five, love y'all. Mace, I've never heard of a flathead cherry. I've heard of it. It's good. It's not as good as the Rainier cherries when done right. The key for the Rainier cherries is they've got to come from Washington and Oregon. Now, they're getting better over the years, the ones that come from grand junction but when they first started harvesting them out there they were not up to snuff compared to what you would get in washington and oregon i guess we're all going to defend our current or former territories and i get that i used to live up in seattle i've spent a lot of time in the, in the northwest over the years so in the pacific northwest over the years so i'm going to stand up for the rainiers and i expect the montanans to stand up for the flatheads that's perfectly fair <laughs> exactly i agree with that next one from triad bronco hey y'all just gonna make a defense for watermelon here watermelon doubles as a food and a refreshment Growing up working in construction, nothing was better on a hot southern day at work than busting out some ice-cold watermelon from the cooler. Mm -mm. I respect your opinion, RK. Different strokes for different folks. There's no L in that folks there. I got you. LOL. This may have already come up, but how are y'all aware of the off-season preparation the Broncos may be doing since they're installing a new offense? Appreciate y'all. I'll see myself out. God bless. And Mace has a great piece coming up on this later today. Yeah, I'll be focused on the defensive side because I talked to Todd Davis yesterday. But in general, what you've got is players working together in position groups with their, with their position coaches to learn the scheme. So basically, what's going on is over Zoom conferencing, they are having the meetings that they would be having that would be a, a bulk of their days. They don't get to work as a team on the field until you get into kind of until get to phase two, phase three, phase four of OTAs. And even then it's not until the, the latter phases that you're able to do stuff offense against defense. Before that you're doing just offense drills together or individual drills together. That's what you're missing. But 
a big part of OTAs is the classroom time that you get four days a week, and that is what is being focused on. I imagine that it's not going to be much different, at least in terms of the classroom learning, than it would be in a normal offseason to get the scheme down. The difference is you don't have that on feet that that the ability to reinforce the teaching on field, which is why I think whenever they do reconvene for on field work, if it's if it's not until training camp, Zach, I think they have to have an extended training camp. I think they'll have to extend training camp by two weeks to make sure they get everything down pat because they are losing that on field component. But Todd Davis made a good point to me yesterday when he said, look, we have our meetings, but at least now in this day and age, we can go to our playbook iPads and look and look at clips from past practices from past games to get something of a visual element to it. 10, 15 years ago, you wouldn't have had that. It's a really, really good point from Todd there. And Mace, they're not taking up uh, the two hour workout window, are they? They're not taking advantage of that. Well, players have to do it on their own, but there's no structure for, for, for working out at this point. You, you got to do it on your own because you can't get together as a huge group. Now, you have some players that are in parks with distancing that are gathering, and Todd did mention that he's, uh, he's had some distance, social distancing workouts at parks with, some, with a handful of his teammates. Right, and, and I believe at this time, so you can have four days a week, two hours of in-class right. work. And that's and about believe- what you can have in ordinary off season is being in the classroom for two hours on those days. And I believe you can also have two hours, maybe four times a week. Maybe it's a little less of, of uh, uh, workouts, virtual workouts with the team. Um, and I don't believe a lot of many, a, a lot of teams are taking advantage of that just cause that's, that's pretty awkward to well, do. So they're, well, they're letting yeah. them do that on their own. Well, what would be the biggest thing offensively you could gain from that? It would be drew lock throwing to his receivers, right? Right. Can't yeah. do it right now. Nope, you, you can't. Ryan Clayman says, hey, DNVR family. On yesterday's pod, May said that the draft could have, couldn't have have more than 256 picks. Is there a story behind that, or is it just a random number they use? Ryan Clayman, great question. I was curious, too. It's a great question, and 256 is a number that the NFL got to in – in the mid 1990s now they had an eight round draft in 1993 that was 224 picks because they only had they only had 28 teams and i think there were a couple of comp picks involved with it as well so then they throttled the draft back to seven rounds but at the same time the nfl was getting into its current free agency protocol and part of that free agency was having compensatory picks come back if you lost players in free agency. And it was decided then that effectively the compensatory picks would constitute another round. So you had 32, you were getting up to 32 to 30 teams and eventually it became 32. And then you wanted to have another round worth of supplemental picks so effectively you were going to have an eight round draft 
even though you were only going to call it seven because you would stick those compensatory picks on at the end of each round. And if you had a straight up seven round draft, no comp picks, you'd have 224 selections. An eight round draft with no comp picks would be 256. Another question about this coming from Ryan claiming he says, second, if a team makes a, takes a player in the supplemental draft, what happens to the draft pick? Is it gone forever or does another team get it? Thank you. And keep up the awesome work, RC. It's gone forever. So if the Broncos were to hypothetically use a supplemental first round pick on Walker Little or Alex Leatherwood, since the Alabama thing is gone now, (laughs) so we can talk about Leatherwood (laughs) then if no other teams use their supplemental picks next year there would be 31 first round choices fascinating fascinating great questions RC next one from River Vapecraft if they pick up Bulls's option can they trade him after this year say he is like average and we find a better solution I feel like he'd have value as a cheap starting option for teams with a desperate need to tackle what do you guys think? Also, one to say you guys did an awesome job on the draft show. Didn't even have the TV on. Well, thank you, River. Appreciate it. That, that Too the, cool. the draft show was tremendous. We had a lot of fun with it, and we're glad so many people enjoyed it. I believe you can trade players once they've uh, once the option's been picked up. They're under contract. They're like anybody else. So once you're uh, you're past the uh, the 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 no trade window, which goes from the trading deadline. Uh, into uh, into early March at that point you can trade him so yes yeah 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 I, I wouldn't think that 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 would be any different Arista Pratt it was late it was a late night on Tuesday December 24th I was still riding on the high of the wind versus Detroit as I was unloading my power washing equipment to head into the park or Walmart to give their lavatories a much needed clean I looked toward the entrance while collecting the final piece of equipment, and my eyes do not believe what they caught glimpse of. A behemoth of a man was walking into the parking lot, pushing a cart that he dwarfed as he neared me. His features became familiar, but his identity was not clear until I saw him double-take both my shirt and hat. Both articles were adorned with the Broncos logo. It was Garrett Bleep Ingbowls. Very well knowing who he was, I asked, Hey, are you Garrett Bowles? And a deep voice replied, Yeah, man. He reached out his hand to shake mine, pre-COVID awareness, and I hastily took the offer. As I did, a terrible, maybe life-threatening thought flashed through my head. I kid you not. I almost told him jokingly in that second, don't hold that hand too much. I may have to send you 10 yards back the way you came. Luckily, I didn't went with a safer bet. Good luck against those Raiders. I'm a huge fan. Thanks, man. I watched him disappear to his larger-than-life truck sweating knowing i could have just unexpectedly been murdered in a walmart parking lot i guess going by the hands of a bronco would be a good way to go take care boys (laughs) you chose wisely you did choose wisely and man mace you deliver that comment in the perfect way and garrett bulls is a good guy you know he's he he'll say hi to you and he's a nice guy he's overcome a heck of a lot yeah to get to the nfl of course He's involved with, uh, with charities that help out uh, children with uh, uh, learning disabilities. That's something that he's uh, talked about dealing with in, in the past and, uh, what he, and what he's overcome. Of course, he, his life could have gone in some very negative directions. And there have been pe- and there were people that kind of looked out for him, uh, a family that took him in in Utah and uh, uh, put him under their roof and said, okay, you got you to gotta behave by 
by certain stricter rules here and get on the straight and narrow. And to his credit, he's done that. Garrett Bowles, when you're talking about the person, is actually is a very good story. One of the better yeah. stories in recent Bronco history. I just wish. I, not only do I, it's not just the holding. It's also, it's the reaction. Yeah. It's the what me, the putting his hands up. I think that gets under my skin just as much as the holding penalties themselves. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And uh, although I wouldn't pick up his fifth year option, shout out to Garrett Bowles because earlier this month, he donated 1,200 protective masks to the Denver Police Department, mm-hmm. Arapaho Police Department, and Salem, Utah Police Department. So good for you, Garrett Bowles. I'm just not picking up your option. Yep. <laughs> Next one from Dan Burke. Something intrigued me when May said that some, some teams might have taken Hamler off their board because of his size. I think we all consider the Ravens to have the smartest front office in the NFL, right? They took Hollywood Brown in the first in 2019, despite having a Liz Frank injury and being listed 12 pounds lighter than Hamler at the same height. Hamler has bigger hands and longer arms too. If the Ravens have decided there's a place for a player of that size in the NFL, then I'm feeling more confident that Hamler's size won't be an issue. It's a good point. And it's also kind of a trust the film point. And the Ravens are very big on going by the film for the most part when making their draft, pardon me, their draft selections. And the film on KJ Hamler is good as well. It's not just that he's simply a burner, but he makes plays on the field. He, he, he is a football player, not a track guy disguised as a football player. Same thing with Marquise Brown. Yep. Yep. And great, great point again there, Dan Burke. And guys, before we move on, I got to tell you about where you can get delicious Breck brews. And that's at Davidson's, which has two locations, one in Centennial, one in Highlands Ranch. These guys are locally owned and have a massive selection of everything you can imagine from every Breck brew to any wine, to any hard liquor. And guys, what you have to do, because right now they're doing curbside delivery or delivering it straight to your house. So what you got to do is download their app, not just for incredible deals, but for all of the information that you need about their store and all of their products. It goes right on your phone and you can get the loyalty program to have in your hands. So make sure to check out Davidson's to get anything you're looking for now. All right, Mace. Next one coming in from Vash the Man. Yo, yo, yo. What up, y'all? Great coverage of the draft. I'm so pumped to get the season started. Uh, One of my vendors is a Raiders fan and has been talking trash about our beloved Broncos. I told him you didn't watch the draft. He laughed at me. Said if I believe in them so much, bet $50 that the Broncos beat them. I said, I lock it down. So let's hope we get a season so I can laugh at him when the Raiders fail to use rugs right. Peace, love, and chicken grease. Thank you, guys. You always make my day. Oh, Mace, you're muted again. <laughs> oh, there man. we go. <laughs> That's short for all right. I-G-A-T. I I I yep. <laughs> Oh, that's a good comment. I, and I, I, anytime there's a little uh, Bronco Raider fan, uh, fan interaction, I love seeing it like that as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Kyan Ronigsberg, folks, emphasizing the L. <laughs> I am so ready to see Drew Locke play, and I, like many others here, have high hopes for him. However, if we had a chance to land Aaron Rodgers this year after, I believe the Broncos immediately become the Super Bowl contenders. This would be by far the best weapons Rodgers has ever had, 
He has thrown only one touchdown to a first-round receiver in his career, and that's Mercedes Lewis. Crazy, I know. Despite Zach's cold takes on him, I think he's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. That being said, I'm 100% in on lock. Just a fun thought to have Rodgers in orange and blue. P.S. Watermelon is definitely the goat of summer fruits. Nothing more refreshing than a cold slice of watermelon on a hot summer day. As always, thanks for the great content, gents. Yeah, I absolutely love watermelon as well. And, man, it could work out perfectly for the Broncos. Seeing uh, Drew Locke this year, let's say he doesn't end up being the guy and you find that out this year, which you will know at the end of this year. Man, it could work out perfectly for John to just pull off another blockbuster. That would be something. It would be. That would really, really be would something. Be. But because let's, I, let's, let's, I let's view that as the, ba- as the contingency plan. Right. Exactly. That, and maybe you say that's plan B. You know, yeah. there was no plan B back in the Peyton Manning years. Drew Locke is plan A. That idea is your plan B. And hopefully and you, you never have to go to plan B. And you know what? Here's some credit to Aaron Rodgers. He, he's a good plan B. How about that? Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is a good plan B. I'll give him that. So, man, if it works out for the Broncos, it'd be a nice plan B to fall back on. But I don't think you have to worry about it this year because I, don't th- I think he will be playing for the Packers this year. I think so as well. I think also with so much tumult, so much going on, I think it would be foolish for the Packers to deal Aaron Rodgers this year. I think you, just, <laughs> yeah. you live with a little bit of chaos. You live with strife because he's a damn good quarterback. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback who's still playing at a high level. Yeah. yeah. Just figure it out. Sir James Radio, day 14 of the Jersey Challenge brings us to the Minnesota Vikings. There you go. S- <laughs> Did I get that in the Lizzo? I don't even know. It, it sounded close. But I tried. I tried. I'm choosing to go with Adam Thielen as he is an amazing inspiration that if you want something bad enough to go out and earn it, despite doing so in the face of seamlessly insurmountable odds. Kind of like you guys at DNVR, where even though you're just lowly local bloggers, according to some haters within the local sports scene, your coverage is all the all around best in literally every facet of Broncos football operations. Stan DNVR. Appreciate that. Thank you. Love that. Thank you. Ah, boy, on the Vikings, I'm certainly not going with their quarterback, Kirk Cousins. Too much of a goofball for me. Um, you don't like those Pizza Ranch commercials or yeah, the, uh, no. the, uh, the Cypress heating and air commercials they did in Washington? <laughs> you know, I like goofballs. He's just like, he's just like a fake goofball, and that may be the worst type of goofball. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you're saying he's not authentic, huh? That's yeah it feels weird feels weird ah who am i going with on the current roster uh feeling's a good choice hmm i know who i'm going with i want so badly to go with a past guy and uh Rich Carlos actually kicked for a year with the Vikings, a former Bronco. <laughs> I believe he had seven field goals in one game while with the Vikings. So <laughs> the old school player would be Rich Carlos Vikings jersey. I'm sure if uh, Rich Carlos is listening, he's probably laughing about that. Um, <laughs> on their current roster, mm, wow, because I like Stephon Diggs a lot. but. Uh, <laughs> He's not there anymore. No, nope, so, he's not. 
Probably Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah. I'm going to do this one for my girlfriend, for CSU, for my guy, Kai Olsen, who rides with us and is a good friend from CSU. I'm going to go Ola BC Johnson, Ooh. wide receiver. I'll do this one for Gary Kubiak. He's a CSU guy, drafted him last year, and he actually had a pretty darn good rookie year. Couldn't Gary, tell you what number he wears. Wait, I thought Gary Kubiak went to Texas A&M. Now, um, he had a son that went to CSU. But he just – Gary just loves CSU guys. Yes, it, exactly. It seems like anywhere he goes. There's a family connection, yeah. Yep, exactly. I'm proud to be a CSU Ram. <laughs> uh, uh, there we go. That's what just... BC can say. Exactly. Miller, Miller Life 58. Hey, guys, love the draft coverage. Can't wait for the season to start. Question, do you guys think there's any chance Locke brings back the visor and arm sleeve he rocked at Mizzou? That would look pretty sweet in the orange and blue. It would look very sweet. And was that a rhyme there? If so, impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I think you've got the makings of a Drew Locke rap song or oh, a Drew yeah. Locke poem because you have to rhyme Mizzou with orange and blue. That's, that's going to be <laughs> yeah. a stanza. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Mace, do any quarterbacks wear visors? It's honestly, I couldn't tell you. It's honestly not something that I pay attention to. I don't think so. Oh, maybe Lamar Jackson does. Yeah, I mean, it would be an awesome, awesome look. I, I don't know. I'll have to ask him next time I see him. Mm. Steve Atwater, Hall of Famer. Where would you rank the following Bronco duos compared to the rest of the NFL? Chubb Miller. Mm. Okay, let's go through these, Mace. Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. How do they stack up compared to the rest of the NFL? Hmm. I mean, they should. Are we, be. Are we talking about straight up kind of, kind of edge rush duo, or are we saying yeah. just like they can be an inside outside duo as well? Let's go outside duo. They okay. honestly should be number one. Yeah, I think uh, the only one that you're throwing in there uh, that's comparable it's um, Bosa and Ingram with the Chargers. Yep. Yep, and if Bradley Chubb and Von Miller play like they should, not like they played last year, they should be number one, but obviously last year w would not back that up. Uh, Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons. Hmm. <sighs> wow. This right now tough. you'd say they're number one. Whew, number one. How about that? What about Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy? Ooh, I don't really want to rank them because you've got somebody who literally hasn't played NFL snap yet. Yeah, the potential for them, the potential, yeah. and it's easy to say this, the potential for their next couple of years is number one. It's so hard to project right now. And Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. Mace, is this the only backfield that has two Pro Bowl running backs? At this moment, I believe so. But again, I, I haven't gone back and really, really parsed through the running back duos. I mean, this is just off the top of my head. So, And Steve Atwater did let us know that we can do top three, top five, et cetera. So uh, I'm definitely going to go top five for the running backs and probably in terms mm -hmm. of a one-two punch, probably the best out there. Yeah, uh, the only one I'm going to hold back on is Cortland Sun and Jerry Judy. Should be a great duo, but without Judy having played a snap, I'm going with the incomplete grade. That's so if you were putting him in the ranking, you're saying TBD. Right, man. I, uh, that, that, that's a great question, Steve Atwater, because it really shows 
um, just how good, how many good players the Broncos have now. Hard Rocker. Hey guys, after the draft, I think the receiving group here could be one of the best in the NFL, but I'm curious to see how you think they compare to the 2013 Bronco receiving group. And yes, I know Manning was throwing to them, but from a talent perspective, is this group better than the one in 2013? Well, that's really tough because Demarius Thomas is the second or at worst, the third best wide receiver in Broncos history. Eric Decker, a very good compliment. Wes Welker, a slot receiver that should be in the Hall of Fame conversation because of how he literally redefined the slot position. And Julius Thomas was a perfect tight end for that offense, especially in the red zone. This group can be better in terms of talent. I think if, it, if everybody reaches their ceilings, yes, it's better. But, and so thus, if you say raw talent, yeah, raw talent, sure. But right now, you still have to give the edge to the 2013 group. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And also, it is important to remember, and this is something that we haven't talked about much because Jerry Judy, it is important to remember how difficult it is for wide receivers to make the transition from college to the NFL. I think that Jerry Judy will make uh, a pretty seamless transition. And the main reason is for those numbers Mace pointed out, just how well Alabama first-round receivers Transition to the NFL, averaged 950 yards in, in like the past couple of guys that have come out from Alabama. Um, so I don't think Jerry Judy will have a problem. But, I mean, with how tough it is for wide receivers to transition, it's hard for me to say that, you know, every young guy is just going to hit the ground running this year. Yeah, and K.J. Hamler probably will be, as a rookie, somebody that shows some flashes of brilliance but maybe doesn't have the consistency just yet, right. which is typical. Cortland Sutton had a rookie season like that as a second round pick. Yep. Yeah. It's okay. Yep. And he still, he still put up great numbers. Next one from Montana Bronco. Hi guys. I have to add to the compliments of your draft coverage. It was fantastic. I'm impressed how young you look. All you look, the general, you gentlemen are going to go far in life. Ah, thank you so much, Montana (laughs) Bronco. And, and all the, all the comments that are still coming in about that means so much. Thank you guys. On the Bulls conversation, let me state I am not the biggest Bulls fan. My question is, since he did better when Locke was his court, my question is, since he did better when Locke was his quarterback, is it because the pass rushers were having to change their attack strategy, knowing they now have a moving target and not a statue at quarterback? P.S. I agree with True Champ fan. True Champ fans, flathead cherries are the best. I'm gonna have to get my hands on some. I think between that and Locke being a little more decisive, and also plays being structured to protect him a little bit last year with Scangrello as the OC. All those things helped Garrett Bowles out. Yep, no no doubt. Uh, Wilma F. chiming in saying, Ryan, your comparison of Watermelon to Aaron Rodgers was impeccable. I can't think of a more overrated, underachieving fruit than Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Watermelon. It's good, but how many rings does it have? Wilma out. <laughs> More rings than Dan Fouts and Dan Marino put together. <laughs> well, that's very true. Very true. As I many rings as Brett Favre. In my yeah, well, Brett Favre kind of falls in this conversation too. You think Brett Favre's overrated? <laughs> oh yeah. Cause yeah, he he leads uh he leads or he led the NFL in everything, in, including, including interceptions. interceptions. <laughs> that look. 
that's that was part of the equation with him. And it's one reason why Brett Favre's name comes up when talking about Drew Locke, because we know Drew Locke will take some risks. Yep. But there's an acceptable risk-taking level, and there's an acceptable level of giveaways you can live with if there are more spectacular plays, more plays that he has made happen with his boldness, his athleticism, his arm talent. Yep. That's why if you are if you're looking for a number for Drew Locke, if he throws 14 interceptions but has 32 touchdowns and a chunk of those are are late game, last two minute game winning touchdown passes, then you're okay with the risks that are going to get you in trouble and cause you to tear the hair follicles out of your scalp. <laughs> yep, exactly. World of suck. I want to ask sort of a flip side version of the Patrick Queen question from yesterday's pod. Say we live in a theoretical world where all three wide receivers were off the board by 15. Elway trades back to 27, one spot in front of the Ravens where Queen was ultimately taken. For comparison or for compensation, the Broncos receive a second round pick. Then Elway gives up his final third round pick to move up with the extra second rounder to get his guy. Here's the draft hall. Patrick Queen, LaVisca, KJ Hamler, Michael Ojemudia, and Lloyd Cushenberry. Basically, you're trading off Judy and Ajim for Queen and Visca. Which class would you take? Hmm, it's a great wow. question. Wow. Our Ooh. listeners really asked some tough questions. I like this. Yes, yes. I do like this. That's man. good. <laughs> That's good. But I'm going to say, man, it's really tough. I'm going to say Judy, though, just because he, he is the absolute best in this class, in my mind, instant impact with the potential to be, you know, an all pro. Although you could probably make that same argument for Queen as well. Well, I'm going with Judy as well, just because of the, the higher ceiling. And overall, it's an apples to oranges comparison. But you have Judy, but Judy is ahead of Patrick Queen in terms of his potential. Yeah. Yep. So I agree. Man, that's a fantastic question, though. Wow. World of suck. Mm. Larry Dang Jr. I got so many questions, LOL. But we'll get through them together gradually. So today's is two questions. Number one, I get major Richard Sherman vibes from Michael Ojemudia. The intelligence, the height attributes, but the more tape I watch, he looks like a safety. He is going to be versatile, or is he ultimately next potential great Rick Vic Fangio safety? Second one is, if you are a defense, what's the best way to defend the Broncos? Playing Drew or playing matchups? Like, our team is going to be idiotic enough to stack boxes against us. Would a team be dumb enough to try to man up Cortland, KJ, Noah, and Judy? Can you play zone and risk Phil running inside zones all day? What we have, interior offensive line. Or would you play cover three and risk Melvin Gordon in the screen game? I mean, what is the best way to game plan for all this talent? It has to be making Drew make mistakes, right? Because I don't see how defenses can match up. It is pick your poison, LDJ. That's something yep. that uh, uh, we've, we've said, I know, on this podcast and uh, in other venues. With all these weapons, you're asking some uncomfortable questions of opposing defenses. You are. You are. And that that's what – oh, man – that's why Pat Shermer is going to uh, maybe have the most on his plate he's ever had because he has so many options and needs to incorporate them all. Keep defenses guessing. 
good stuff. That it that is good stuff. Uh, next one coming in from Bobby Lanks. Good day. Question: Have any of you heard a word on the ownership family duel? Uh, with the state shut down and pretty much all courthouse proceedings coming to a screeching halt, does this push depositions back and give the family more time to get on the same page? I can't imagine the September timeframe for court proceedings is still on the docket. Your brilliant thoughts are awaiting for all our ears to hear. Be blessed today. Haven't heard any details on the timeframe, although I think the expectation is just because everything's being pushed back, this will be pushed back as well. Yeah. The thing that sort of hangs over it now is in terms of trying to figure out the long-term prognosis, what sort of impact on the value of the team is this environment uh, going to have and the value on of every sports team, quite frankly. Of course, the CBA is done. Revenues are, are, are going to continue to be the driver of uh, where the salary cap is but we thought we'd hear a little more in terms of television contracts for the long term and we haven't really the only thing to pop out is uh amazon continuing to stream thursday night football on amazon prime yeah. so you wonder what that does in terms of uh, the overall value of the team and in terms of plan the broncos trying to plan for one of the Bolin heirs to step forward almost certainly Brittany Bolin, who of course is in the organization right now so it's kind of a kind of a holding pattern. The holding pattern persists. Yep, it certainly does. But this holding pattern is almost done with our final comment coming in from Mile High Mike. Hey fam, Mile High Mike chiming in here to say the cherries are uncontested as the best fruit ever. And I'm not talking about those fake maraschino cherries in jars and at ice cream parlors. <laughs> I'm talking bean cherries and rainier cherries as mentioned by Mace. Ooh, bean cherries are good too. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll also give a shout-out to maraschino cherries. <laughs> Cherry is also my favorite flavor in most candies that come in fruit flavors. I'd also like to petition that Lloyd Cushenberry always be referred to as the Cush, LOL. Just a reminder from my comment a few days ago, when you put together your list of first segment topics as suggested by comments, I'd love to hear your projections or predictions on all of the AFC standings now that things have shaken up. Include team record projections for at least the four teams in the AFC West. Maybe you could entertain the idea of doing the NFC on another pod, but I'm sure many agree there's less interest as it doesn't affect our beloved orange and blue nearly as much. I also second the power ranking suggestions for another pod. Love the Vegas to the rest or love from Vegas to the rest of the DNVR fam. And if you're listening to this and you haven't subscribed to DNVR, Open your eyes! Best decision you'll make, and the family here will welcome you with open arms. Sorry for the long comment. I have spoken mile high, Mike. Well, fantastic question and comment, mile high, Mike. Uh, I'll definitely be sure to put ranking the AFC and AFC standings in a list of first segment topics to come your way. Soon. I, I just put that on the uh, on the list that I'm keeping, and I think the way we do NFC predictions is we start by focusing on the NFC South since that is the division with which the Broncos and the rest of the AFC West are paired with in interconference play. And frankly, with Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers, Gronk going to the Bucks, Jameis Winston now backing up in New Orleans, 
is there a more interesting division in the NFL than the NFC South? <laughs> no, absolutely not. It's not right be now. <laughs> uh, and I don't know, man. I've, I've never been very intrigued by the NFC South, but now I definitely, definitely am. Well, it, it's it's been a low-key intriguing division over the last several years because just take, say, the last five years. You've seen New Orleans be a dominant team, but Atlanta's made the Super Bowl. Carolina's made the Super Bowl. The Bucks. one of the reasons why I think they were so desperate for Jameis Winston to succeed and then moved to Tom Brady, they've had to sit there in that division and stare at their division rivals, all of whom had MVP quarterbacks because Carolina had Cam for a while. New Orleans has Breeze. Atlanta, of course, has Matt Ryan. And I believe, Zach, it is the only division in football that has seen every one of its members make the Super Bowl since the 2002 realignment. Mm, wow, that's fascinating. The, the, and I'm a little biased because I'm a Bucks fan and I worked for the Panthers for a couple of years. The NFC South doesn't get enough credit for being a very good division over the long haul. Yeah, including, including myself. <laughs> but now they've got all of my attention because of TB being down there. I can't wait, Mace. I, I think part of the reason it doesn't get the love is because, oh, wait, you know what? I just have to correct myself. There's another division that has seen all of its teams make the Super Bowl since uh, the realignment. Who is that? The NFC West. Oh, yep, because the Cardinals did get there. And this, the, the 49ers were the ones who – didn't break through. Oh, wait, yep. they did. Oh, they broke through in 2012, man. Okay. Yep. With uh, 49ers, with Seahawks, Gap. Cardinals. No, the Rams. Yeah. It was the Rams that finally broke through right. a couple right. of years back. So, yeah, my bad. I'm an idiot if you're still and listening. Gave, and gave us a very entertaining Super Bowl not. No, they did not. That was a, an abysmal Super Bowl. Oh, Man. <laughs> it was what it, it was a defensive tour de force by bill belichick who <laughs> yes said, it was i see what vic fangio did i'm gonna do the exact same thing yeah make sure we're changing our look after the radio receiver turns off and Jared goff's head <laughs> yep exactly and for those that don't love defense man you needed some libations during that game and if you need any libations moving forward make sure to check out davidson's which has two locations in centennial and highlands ranch guys i gotta tell you about them again because they are the best locally owned and they have a huge selection of anything you can think of from our personal favorite breck brews to any wine any hard liquor you're looking for they've got it all they're doing curbside and delivery only so it's very important you download their app to make sure that you you sign up for their loyalty program and you get all the deals that are on there and all of the information that you would get on a sales floor is right in the palm of your hand so make sure to check out davidson's and download their app well mace that'll do it for us on this thursday this is the last time we will be talking to the people in the month of april in 2020 yep Time flies when you're having fun. It certainly, certainly does. May is here, and we will be back with you guys tomorrow. Have a fantastic day, and I truly mean it. Thank you guys so much for rolling with us. Have a terrific Thursday.